Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm here to inform you that Bela Lugosi's not dead. And I am Gorilla Monchain. Welcome to episode 168, In Your House 4. Great White North. It's a hard one to say together. I yeah. let Shane have it. Great White North. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said it at the end of the last show, so I guess I should say it on this one, too. Absolutely. You, you definitely got it correct on the last show. Woo! <laughs> so this is the fourth In Your House produced by the WWF. It would take place on October 22nd, 1995, from the Winnipeg Arena in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, with an attendance of 10,339 people. Well, that's like double what they had last time. I mean, you got the... The bump of being in Canada. Canada, Canada eh? And um, I assume this is one of the hillbilly parts of Canada that likes wrestling. Winnipeg is a cow town. Is it? No, that's Calgary. Calgary. Calgary is okay. the cow town. Yeah. I mean, that's Bret, Bret Hart's Like Which wrestlers hometown? are from Winnipeg? Are there any? Oh, I'm uh, sure there I are. I think Jericho's from Winnipeg. Okay. Uh, I think I you're tr- right. I was trying to remember, but I couldn't. I think that's correct. But, you know, we'll have, I'm sure Davy Boy and Bret are on the show. Some are probably gotta gotta represent. It's too early for an edge sighting. You know, yeah, you don't go to Canada without uh, without Bret Hart. Yeah, be wrong. Jericho, Omega, Sarah Stock, Rosemary, Roddy Piper. Oh, I always forget Piper's Canadian. Candice LeRae, Don Callis, Tom McGee. Ooh. Oh, shows up in back to back episodes. Uh-huh. What the hell? He, uh, Those are the big names. Yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, obviously, some very, Tom very large McGee names. Tom suddenly a big name. <laughs> I mean, only because we mentioned him last yeah, episode. Yeah. He's a large man. He's uh, he's uh, infamous and uh, at least an interesting little story, interesting yes. little rat wrestling lore. Infamous. What is becoming infamous? Is Shane's food trip around the world? Tis. So we're in Canada. Did you bring us something Winnipeg special or just Canadian special? Uh, Canadian special in general. Uh, I'm sure Winnipeg has their their great varieties as well. I did what I normally do where I tried to see what is the signature sandwich of Canada? What is the signature sandwich of Winnipeg? What is the signature sandwich of Manitoba? And then I tried that with cocktails. And then I tried that with desserts. And they don't have as many lists as us Americans do. So it was a little more difficult. But I figure because they like everything exactly, it's it's because they're nice up in Canada. Eh? That's what they say. It's delicious up there, don't you know? I contemplated donuts. I contemplated bringing up some nice Canadian Kush or something like that, and having us all just sit here and smoke a joint or something at the table. But why not? I decided that would just require munchies anyway, so I'll just stick to the munchies because that's what I do. If you've ever heard of food reference from Canada, one of the things that you probably have heard time and time again, even though you may not ever had it, is poutine. It's the first thing I thought of. So delicious. Made a joke about it, and then that's what Shane had. Damn right. I did not know. Yeah, poutine uh, is 
simple, delicious comfort food, starchy, salty, flavorful. It is basically just a, a pile of french fries that have been smothered in gravy. Got some cheese curds in there. I threw a little bacon in this one as well and uh, topped it with a little black pepper and some green onions. It's also good with a, uh, a fried egg or a poached egg on there because you break a, an egg yolk on anything and it's just extra happiness right there that's for you. That's the truth. I'm telling yeah. you, that's, that's my cure to a bad day. Either <laughs> I, I gotta have a snow cone <laughs> I don't work at Olive Garden anymore, so it's not as easy to get those when I really, really need them, and I don't have a, a plentiful supply of those little cone cups like we had at Olive Garden. But yeah, the, a snow cone and then a, purpose, a perfectly cooked egg, breaking the yolk on it, it's like all your troubles wash away as that yolk floods over. But no yolks on this one, no eggs at all. Potatoes, Original. gravy. Yeah, potatoes, gravy, cheese curds. I use some uh, white cheddar cheese curds. If for some reason you don't have cheese curds available, uh, they say that you can use like a block of mozzarella, uh, not the fresh watery mozzarella, but the actual block, and then just tear it into chunks. Oh, yeah? Because the fresh mozzarella will melt too much. This one you want to... If you want to make an American style, just do cheese cubes. Oh, yeah. Mozzarella, mozzarella. Like fried fried cheese cubes? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. I just thought you meant like the like... You know, cubes are like mozzarella or something. Well, I mean, I gotcha. I went the simplistic route and uh, I had french fries delivered from Five Guys, but you can make your own, cook your own, grab a frozen bag of them from the freezer, throw them in the oven, whatever. The poutine gravy, it calls for, I've found, found several recipes for it and all of them called for both chicken stock and beef stock, so I figured I'm going to buy some pre-made beef gravy and chicken gravy and just mix them together and uh, so you get a little extra saltiness from the beef you get uh, a little more hardiness in there the chicken gravy smooths it out nicely oh it's just good it's good old comfort food so oh yeah stick to the ribs it's like a uh it's like a, a nice worn in pillow yes. right, but right before you need to replace it where uh it knows you too well <laughs> I can see this being a, or I shouldn't say I can see it. I can understand why it's such a big hit up there in Canada with the uh, the cold weather happening. Yeah, it's like a, it's like our version hug. of the chicken fried steak. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things too where it's like, oh, it's so well known. It, you'll find it on a menu throughout all of the United States. Need something cheap and easy on a cold day? Boom, poutine. You need to eat your feelings after. A breakup, boom. Poutine. Poutine. <laughs> Can't go wrong. You want to watch a wrestling show that's set in Canada? Boom. Poutine. Poutine. We're going to start it off with something awesome. Taking a bite on air won't do much because it doesn't make much noise because everything is coated in gravy, so it'll probably just have that Oops, squishy... Sound gross. Yeah. Like a boot stuck in mud. <laughs> but I'm going to take a bite anyway because that's what I do. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as In Your House 4, Get Shorty and Mallrats would both be released the same weekend. What? what? I did not realize that uh, Empire Records came out before Mallrats. Kind I mean, of crazy. same year. Just yeah, they're like apart. Just a few weeks apart, but it's just in my, yeah, I don't know why. I definitely saw Mallrats before I saw Empire Records. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just this, I want something that I just found kind of surprising. That's all. That's it. <laughs> The, you know, our um, Kevin Smith's second film, this time with uh, some money. 
and it's in color. Yep. Mallrats, love it. I mean, I'm a, a huge Kevin Smith fan anyways, but as much as I like Clerks, I love Mallrats just as much, maybe even more. I think partially because it was in color, and back then I had issues watching black and white movies. Yeah, you got too many awesome people in there. You got Ben Affleck, you got Jason Lee, you got... I can't think of her name right now from... Oh, who played the girlfriend? Shannon Jordan. No, not either one of those. Uh, the, oh, uh, I was going to say Claire Devine, but that's the girl. Yeah, Claire Forlani. Claire Forlani. Yeah, yeah. She's in, she was in two movies, this and Meet Joe Black. Yes. Those are the only ones I can think of. But yeah, Joey Lauren Adams, Shannon Doherty. Ethan Supley. You had... Uh, Stan Lee. Stan Lee, yeah. One of the people from fucking... Three's Company, even, as the, the psychic with three nipples. Oh, what a good scene. Yeah. Who played the dad? Was that Paul Ben Victor? Oh, no, it's um, uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, who we all, everybody loves Michael Rooker. Gotcha. And uh, he's so good. I mean, this famous scene here is the, the ass pretzels, <laughs> which is kind of the stupidest thing ever. But it is funny. It was funny to me as a kid. Yep. Loved Mallrats. Uh, Actually, Michael offered us pretzels before this. They were not as pretzels. Uh, yeah, but they were not chocolate covered. Yeah, the only also, reason I accepted them. Also, I'm not sticking my hand in my. Ass. I mean, they were very buttery though. So. <laughs> they were very buttery. <laughs> Mall Rats is great. This is where Jay and Silent Bob start to take the shape that uh, everybody knows them for today. You know, in Clerks, they were more of just the drug dealers that hung out outside of the uh, Quick Stop, but here they are full on. Crime fighting, security tackling, complete with uh, like Batman gadgets and everything. So yeah, they become they, yeah they become kind of more of a of a of cartoon characters as opposed to like you know like loser drug dealers. Yep. They still are funny in uh, Clerks, but in this one it's like they're just like you know they just everything's punched up a little bit is more fanciful. And this is where the Kevin Smith universe really started to take shape because he was linking in his previous movie in with this one as far as some of the characters because they lived in the same area. You'd hear the names referenced in the background or so-and-so's sister was... The Jersey thing. I don't remember what it was was called. Long Island Lolita. Yeah, it was a huge... uh, Trisha Jones. Seems like everybody that likes movies or is like a nerd about it had a, a Kevin Smith phase for sure. Yeah. Whereas like I uh, I mean if he grew up in that era yeah. definitely. Like uh, I at this point still think Clerks is probably just his best movie. Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy's good. I like Dog that one too. Mall Red Rats State. Is my one. Yeah. Red State is good. Red State's nice because he did something different. Yeah. That's that's why I had to watch Red State. And it wasn't Jersey initially Girl. because it was oh god Jersey Girl was so bad. <laughs> he also did Cop Out which is one. also really bad. Yeah. But that's not his fault. He had to deal with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin Smith, I've been a fan of his forever. I'm looking forward to the, whenever it's going to happen, Mallrats 2. Oh, is that a thing? Yes. you got Mallrats 2 on the horizon. You've got Clerks 3 on the horizon. Wow. I don't know if he's ever going to come out with anything original. Because, I don't know. It's the no last gonna, original no one's thing gonna Red it, State. No one's going to give it. No. Red State's not the last original thing that he did. What was the last thing? Well, he did uh, the... <laughs> like, all I can think of is the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yoga Hosers? Yeah, Yoga Hosers. He oh. did something after that as Yoga well. Yoga Hosers, real piece of shit. 
just saying <laughs> just saying it's uh it's one of those things where it's all just like oh, oh tusk is that yeah he, well he did tusk and I then he did tusk. i like tusk and then he did yoga hosers and then is it the and jay, jay and silent bob think like jay and silent is that bob when he had it? his heart attack and then just had to stop doing stuff for a while well, he did a segment of a movie called Holidays, which was like a horror thing. Oh, like an anthology. But I think that's the last. Then he did some. He's been doing TV for like the Flash series and mm. those. So I think the next thing after that was Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. It's I didn't I never. And then he just did the Masters of the Universe new cartoon, which rave reviews for that. Uh, I have not oh. seen that, but uh, there's a show I listened to, and Kevin Smith was a guest on it recently. And the reason he got they got him on their show, it's a popular podcast, but they got him on there because uh, one of the hosts did the voice of Orko on that show. Oh. Uh, so they got Kevin Smith on there, and Kevin Smith had a lot of fun Hollywood stories to tell, uh, which was a very good lesson. I didn't expect it to be good because I like Kevin Smith, but find him kind of fucking annoying sometimes a little bit he says cat a lot which is very embarrassing but he's an old man but either way like yeah yeah he's a he's a cool cat cool cats (laughs) and kittens but yeah there were some really fun stories that he uh, told that i was was very that were very endearing yeah moose jaws that was the third one of his canadian trilogy that he was gonna do and then he had the heart attack it's crazy i didn't i in my mind it's like oh he's only made a handful of movies but he's really got way more movies than you expect it's just that you forget has, about things like cop thir- out he has in jersey 34 Girl. directing credits mm-hmm. i mean that includes tv shows obviously yeah and but he has at least like 10 movies 42 writing credits yeah he tried to bring us his version of superman at one point which there's a documentary about that it's awesome that is amazing mm-hmm. yeah it's a little low budget but uh the it's a lot of just talking heads but it's so worth it it's very interesting what about get shorty get shorty another great one Never john travolta it. i'm trying to remember who all the hell was in that john one. danny Rains, Renee, I think was in Russo. It. oh you um, know what i saw the bad sequel where the rock played a uh a gay gentleman. That's the thing. Is most people remember the sequel more because of The Rock being in it. Yeah, I, I only saw that because I was at a friend's house and they like rented it or whatever. Uh, but, Too much. That's what the sequel was called. But I never saw the original. And I think it, isn't it kind be of cool? That's what yeah, it was. I was like, "Is it be cool?" Yeah, that's what it was called. You know, Travolta, Gene Hackman, Renee Russo, Devito. Devito, that's right. Totally forgot he was in there. Durr. I thought. I mean, it's the... it's an interesting mob movie. That you you just don't expect. It's not. It's not. Uh, That's a. I mean, Elmore Leonard wrote wrote the story, the original novel for it, and the movie is probably a different tone. I mean, because Elmore Leonard is a pretty like gritty like. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's well, a Barry Sonnenfeld film. Yeah, like you know what you're gonna get with the Barry Sonnenfeld movie. I mean, it, it, the best you get Middle out of family values. Oh yeah, I, I guess yeah. Men in Black. Those are, are those his two best movies. I mean, unless you want to count Wild Wild West. <laughs> I I have I a soft I have a soft spot Wild for Wild Wild West, but uh, it is not better than uh, either of the two that I just named. It's not even better than the song for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's that's the, the spider finally got used. Two middling reviews. Yeah, I mean, you are correct. He did the Adams Family movies, but he also did For Love or Money. Michael J. Fox. Mm. Can't say I've seen for love or money. It's, it's, a, it's a fun little Michael J. Fox. It's not his best movie. 
Yeah. I mean, best non-Back to the Future movie, which is still Frighteners. And I will take that to my grave. I believe it. Frighteners is fucking awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld, like, they're always going to be fun little jaunty movies. And this yeah. one... The, so you have the Elmore that. Leonard, like, grittiness and Barry Sonnenfeld. They're, like, two opposite things completely, and you kind of mesh them together. It, yeah, for, like, it, you do get kind of a happy medium. You do get a happy medium, and it's it's a fun movie. Yeah. this is the one that, I think this is what took Bing Rings to the next level, uh, as far right. as his acting that career. That was probably Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, which came before that, and then he started being t- seen more as a, a character actor, because he... He started showing up in more stuff, oh, and then man. started being nominated for all kinds of things shortly after this one. For uh, like, the sake of comparison, Elmore Leonard also wrote Jackie Brown, which Quentin Tarantino yeah. did, and it's like, oh well, get shorty. I'm pretty sure doesn't feel as gnarly as Jackie Brown does <laughs> in tone. Get shorty when that show is it called Barry with Bill Hader? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. please. That's so. that's what when I first watched the. That show Barry, that's what it made me think of was Get Shorty. Oh, really? Because it was kind of similar yeah, in a sense. Yeah, it's of very similar. In a hitman or whatever that wants to be an actor or, you know, a performer of sorts. Yeah, and this one, it's... It's just, definitely worth a watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was back when John uh, Travolta was still in his string of... His uh, hot movies. streak after Quentin Tarantino pulled him out of obscurity. Yes. Exactly. Which he quickly fell back into. Have you ever seen the movie Michael? Unfortunately. Don't, don't dog on Michael. It's, it's pretty bad. It's very bad. It's one of those that's so bad it's good, though. I mean, I liked it as a kid, but I think yeah, it's because that was pie, my me, oh my. Yeah. Andy bad. McDowell as a country singer. Oh, man, Andy McDowell is <laughs> the, one of the worst actresses that I have such a crush on. <laughs> but she is such a bad actress. Michael always had a soft spot for just because it was, uh, I don't know. Rewatching it, it is wild. It's like, what if John Travolta played an angel that fucks? Hmm? Because that's what he does. He just like, like he just bones every he just bones so every chick. Weird. Everybody's in love with him. He's kind of chubby, but he's just like a sex machine. So weird. It's such a weird. Movie. Yeah. Then you've got uh, what's her name from All in the Family as his crazy. Oh yeah. Lady that he lived with. I mean, that's kind of the best part of the movie, just because I uh, love All in the Family so much. It was so good to see her. Well, let's get to talking some wrestling. That's Michael more Shawn Michaels. Exactly. Hopefully. Please, fingers crossed. <laughs> we go straight to the arena where Joni Wilson sings O Canada with footage of Canada's snowy mountains, forests, and wildlife show. The crowd's hot for it, even though she stinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is not good. The, Canada, the Canadian anthem sounds very modern compared to most other like national anthems. It almost just feels... Yeah, it feels modern in in like melody and tone and phrasing. I don't know. It's just a thought I had while I was is suffering Canada, through is it. Is Canada even 100 years old at this point? I don't fucking know. This is a wrestling podcast, no, not true. a history podcast. I slept through history. But it is a history podcast. <laughs> it is. It's, that is true. It's wrestling I, history. It's not Canadian history, <laughs> okay. even though there's lots of Canadian wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. The WWF logo is shown before President Gorilla Monsoon is in his office, where he announces that he cannot allow Shawn Michaels to compete due to a concussion he suffered. Well, and this. real life, he was at a bar in Syracuse, New York, where he was drunk and he hit on a young lady, and the girl's marine 
boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, not real sure which. That doesn't matter. It was somebody uh, who... Took exception yeah. and confronted Sean with a fight ensuing, including the Marine and his buddy slamming a car door on Michael's head. Uh, we'll see him later. He looks rough. Yeah, yeah. He looks happy. rough and uh, like he is ashamed of himself, and he probably should be. Well, I hope whoever uh, the girl is that didn't call off her buddies... Or her marine and his buddies feels extra special too because yeah. it's kind of fucking ridiculous that you hit on a girl and you get your head slammed in a car door by four or five guys. But Shawn Michaels doing it at this well, point in time, he could have really been more than just hitting on her. He could have he been could a have. pure dickhead. He could have. But you know, that's what happens at a bar uh, when you're drinking in Canada, I guess. I don't know. Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. All right. That's right. Canadian, they just say I'm sorry and give you a donut. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, you know, we're not together anymore. Back to Gorilla, where he turn. says there will be an intercontinental title match tonight, anyways. That's Gorilla's thing. He's like, hey, people aren't showing up. The match must go on. That's, right. That's his gimmick. HBK will publicly forfeit the title, followed by the president giving it to Dean Douglas. I mean, that's fun. The Dean will then have to defend the title. Versus Razor Ramon. Rematch. We then go outside the arena to see fans buying tickets, concessions, and merch. And we get the In Your House logo walking through the front door <laughs> without knocking. And it's goes to sit on the couch. But is then sucked into the TV. It was a fun little animation there. Yeah, yeah. Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show, calling Gorilla's decision controversial. And then he's joined by Jerry the King Lawler, who agrees with the decision, and Jim Ross, who disagrees as well. And we head straight to our first match. Fatu versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And we haven't seen Fatu since Royal Rumble 95, episode 141. And he is making a difference now, guys. Mm -hmm. Telling kids to stay in school and... Be off drugs. Right. Time to make a change. Uh, is what it's But he's wearing the the Bone Skull Crew or whatever the BSK like like on his hat or something like that, which I thought was really funny. It's like, oh, I guess uh, they're already you know smoking cigars and playing poker back there. Undertaker's holding court. Or I mean, Fatu honestly should be the one holding court. Yeah. Triple H has also added a atomizer. To his gimmick, mm. as we see in a clip from Superstars. Do you think he called up uh, one Rick Martell and asked permission? I hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> like, gimmick infringement, yeah. even though you're not a model. I mean, we all know that McMahon probably came up with that anyway. As Hunter is getting in the ring, he sprays the cologne on Fatu, so the Samoan attacks, knocking the bottle out of Triple H's hands and into Fatu's. The Samoan then threatens to spray Hunter, but instead drops it to lay it in with right hands in a back body drop, before an Irish whip sends Triple H out to the floor with a flare flip. Fatu slams Hunter's head on the steel steps, before rolling back into the ring where Triple H reverses an Irish whip, only for the Samoan to leap up and over a charging Hunter. I love that Hunter does the a flare, his little version of a flare flip, then comes in and uh, begs off... <laughs> Like Flair. It's like, all right. Dean Douglas is already here. <laughs> Triple H hits a back elbow and a turnbuckle smash. But we all know that's not going to work on Fatu. Nope. He may be for the children, but he is still from that's right. Samoa. He's about to Fatu up. 
or uh, fuck you up. I love he does a little dance with shades of Rikishi uh, right after the head slam. And I was like, I don't know if we've seen him dance before, but I noticed it this time, and uh, I just thought of his uh, big, bright future where he probably made the most amount of money he ever made like for putting his butt in people's faces. Finally gotten a handle out of how to wear those boots. Mm-hmm. This is our modern Fatu. Fa 2.0? Fa 2.0. <laughs> oh, good. The Samoan charges at Hunter, who sidesteps and tosses Fatu over the ropes, but he gets caught, hangman style, allowing Triple H to take advantage. The ref finally helps the Samoan to escape, followed by Hunter hitting a pile driver and a neckbreaker before going to a chin lock. He does like a Superman punch uh, right before that, too, which I thought was funny. I haven't really seen one of those. Nope. He doesn't off the second rope, and I was like, huh. Fatu fights his way free only for Triple H to turn the Samoan inside out with a clothesline for a two count. And does he go inside out for him or what? Just saying. It was Fatu, oh, yes. he's, he's still got his, uh, work, well, his working boots on. He's always had working feet. Fatu then rolls up an arguing hunter for a near fall. Triple H goes for a pedigree, only for the Samoan to reverse into a back body drop followed by no-selling a DDT, before nailing Hunter with kicks, a back body drop, a clothesline, and a backbreaker. Fatu goes up to the second rope for a diving headbutt for a two-count, followed by a running cutter. The Samoan then goes up top again for another diving headbutt, but Triple H moves to avoid, capitalizing with the pedigree for the pin and the win. I'd like to point out our... Creature of the night who is just staring forward, very still, and he's got like his son next to him who's just wearing glasses and doing the same thing. Yeah, it's a very good and cute bit that I enjoyed. Also, want to point out that Fatu really went inside out for Triple H, and Triple H uh, sold that clothesline like shit <laughs> that he took later. Post match, Lawler interviews Hunter at ringside, joking about Fatu using Raid as deodorant. And Triple H agrees that the Samoan smells ghastly, calling him repulsive, when all of a sudden, Henry O. Godwin would sneak up behind them, threatening to slop Hunter. But Triple H would use the king as a shield, with Lawler begging Hogg not to do it, allowing Hunter to escape to the back. You think Stephanie was watching Nickelodeon one day, and Vince McMahon saw somebody get slimed, thought it was hilarious, and was like, we need a guy. Dump something gross on somebody's head. It's a good possibility. I mean, he's he just really loves this, and I don't feel like anybody else cares. I mean, maybe that's just that me. show you're referencing is Canadian, so it's possible. <laughs> so Triple H and Godwin had been having some issues recently, mostly just because Hunter doesn't like smelly peasants. Uh huh. And old Hog needs something new. Exactly. We go to the locker room with Doc Hendricks. British Bulldog, and Jim Cornette. And Doc says that Davy Boy has been waiting his whole life for a title match before recapping the turn on Diesel with some footage. And Cornette then chimes in not to worry about the setup, worry about the execution, before we get footage of Bulldog pinning Diesel with Yokozuna's help. Davy Boy then calls Winnipeg a 50 below hellhole before predicting victory Flexing for the camera. I'm not gonna lie, Davey uh, was able to handle his part of the 
little backstage interview way better than I thought he was going to. Uh, he's probably a little cleaned up. A little, I hope little, so. little, little bit cleaner, uh, cleaner. He said a whole lot of words follow. without really fucking things up and actually had a point to what he was saying and intensity and everything. So, well, I mean, last time he had a large match for this company, a high profile match. He got canned for being fucked up. Yep. yep. So uh, you'd like to think that he'd learned his lesson. Absolutely. That takes us right to our second match. The smoking guns of Bart and Billy Gunn versus Razor Ramon and 1-2-3-Kid for the WWF World Tag Team Championships. The champions come out first. Bum, bum, bum. Foreshadowing. Mm. So Vince sends it to the back, where Razor and the kid are standing by for comments, pointing out their matching outfits. I know. How cute. I like it. Ramon claims that they have put their problems aside, and they are going to give the guns a fight. JR mentions that the bad guy is pulling double duty tonight, so will his focus be divided? Because remember, as Gorilla Monsoon mentioned earlier, he has that Intercontinental title match versus Dean Douglas later. So he could walk out of here as a double champ. I'd rather see him with two belts than Diesel with one. Personal opinion. Agreed. So Ramon and 123 fake out the guns with a handshake before the match. But once we get started, Billy and the kid trade takedowns before making tags to the respective partners. I noticed that the kid does a uh, two sweet. Maybe it's in the interview, and I was just like, huh. Seems pretty early. I mean, the click's the one that... The click's there, yeah, yeah. It's just I feel like it's the first on-screen one that I noticed, anyway. Razor and Bart do the same until Gunn is running the ropes, where 123 pulls the ropes down, causing Bart to crash out to the floor. The bad guy and the kid double-team Bart in their corner, with 123 using kicks and leg drops, while Razor utilizes a fallaway slam before slamming the kid on top of Gunn as well. For a two count. Uh, it was Razor with the kid in the wrestling ring. They continue their attack with chops, double back elbow, elbow drops, until Bart hits a desperation clothesline on Ramon. We then see Dean Douglas watching the match in his classroom as Bart and the bad guy collide for a double KO, allowing the guns to make a hot tag. Billy with right hands and a back body drop on one, two, three. Drop kick to Ramon. Body slam and a leaping elbow drop to the kid for a two count. Bart's back in to nail multiple neck breakers on one, two, three before the guns team up for a vertical suplex drop kick combo for a near fall. Billy then misses a corner splash, so both men are down. And Razor reaches through the ropes to rally the kid up, but the ref makes him go back to his corner, allowing Bart to come into the ring pulling Billy on top of one, two, three for a pin attempt. But then the bad guy points out that Bart is out of his corner to the ref. So the ref runs over there and get him into his corner, allowing Razor to come into the ring and roll the kid on top for a pin attempt for a two count. One, two, three, then crawls to his corner for a hot hot tag. With the bad guy coming in with right hands to everybody. Billy then reverses an Irish whip, but he telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Ramon to hit a razor's edge. (gasps) But the kid is demanding a tag on the apron, and the bad guy agrees. 
So he makes the tag, and one, two, three comes in, makes the cover for a near fall. When Billy then would pull him over into a crucifix for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And the kid is pissed. And still, who would have thunk it? Post match, one, two, three's throwing a fit, kicking the ropes in frustration as Ramon tries to console him. He's just shoved away. And so Razor's just like, well, forget this dude. And he, and he walks out. Yeah, he's like, I tried to do you a favor and you fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> the kid then decides to attack the guns, knocking them both out of the ring with kicks before grabbing the title belts. The bad guy then returns to the ring, taking the championships away from him, handing them back to the guns before convincing 1-2-3 to leave the ring. I smell trouble. I know. Probably the best guns match? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know. I really like this match a lot. I mean, I think they have some cool double-team moves and stuff, so, I mean... Yeah, there's a thing, and then also the... This, the kid and Razor being, you know, connected for so long. Everything worked, everything worked out great. We go backstage where Doc Hendricks is there with cardboard cutouts of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. They're only $25. Can you imagine having HBK in your house 24-7? Kids, the hitman can watch you sleep. That's not creepy at all, Doc. Not at all, Doc. And you know what you get if uh, you buy a cardboard cutout? A WWF VHS tape. Mm -hmm, A classic videotape. Ooh, is it the same one that Medusa, or sorry, Alundra found in the fake bushes last time? I think think they keep them all in the bushes, underneath the bushes, around Titan Tower. Yes. With no labels. Mm Mm-hmm. Doc then asks Brad for comments, but he doesn't answer, of course, because he's a cardboard cutout. And so Hendrick replies that he's feeling a little stiff. (laughs) Doc then almost knocks over the heart cut out, which causes Lawler to laugh. But the king then freaks out when Vince tells him that the hitman would be joining the commentary team for our main event. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh. And you know, there's bad blood there. Uh, For maybe like two years now. Yep. (laughs) Yes, at least. (laughs) We then go to our third match. Marty Jannetty. Hit him with the dropkick. Versus Goldust. <gasps> so bizarre. So the last time we saw Marty was at Return of the Funker, episode 145. And the last time for Goldust was at WCW Uncensored as Dustin Rhodes, episode 146. Was his last match the uncensored with the yes. in the back of the truck the king of the road match yeah he got fired soon after he got fired after that trailers for sailor rent that's right mcmahon would then send us to some pre-recorded comments from the golden one where goldust tells mr rocker it's time for his hollywood premiere it'll be lights camera and so much action mr deville i'm ready for my close-up Remember the name. Gold Dust. I mean, the Gold Dust sexy promo. It's so funny. As a kid, I liked Gold Dust. Didn't know fucking Dustin Rhodes. Didn't know who the fuck Dusty Rhodes was. I just thought Gold Dust was cool and weird. And knowing now that Dustin Rhodes did this and did this for so long, it's so weird because 
he is a large cowboy, and they're saying he's androgynous, but he does not look androgynous at all. He looks like a six-foot-tall man, mm-hmm. a six-three uh, man with meat on his bones. Very bizarre person for this gimmick. Should be like a uh, like a pan, a pretty boy like Rick Martel or something like that. It's really weird, and it in works hindsight, like yeah, just so like well. yeah, but he's but it's because he's fucking committed mm-hmm. and. It's so the polar opposite. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by it since going and watching, you know, Dustin Rhodes from the beginning of his career to yeah. now. It blows my mind, and I appreciate it even more than I ever thought I, I would. Just think about it. What if, what if Dustin Rhodes had become the Undertaker, and then old Mark Calloway came over <laughs> and had to dress up as the androgynous one, the bizarre one? <sighs> The golden one. I mean, who crazy. Know, who knows? I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine Mark Callis doing gold <laughs> dust. I can't see him playing but this it, character. But at, but at the same time, we could like, if you told us like in 1994 that this is what Dustin Rose is going to do, it and like, yeah, fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is where yeah. WWF needs to have their own little what if show. And... Right. So this is actually gold dust. First televised match. They've yeah. got there. Obviously, they know he can work, so it's not like we're testing him out. It's like, yeah, the guy is the best wrestler in his family. Who better <laughs> of a workhorse to put him against than fucking Marty Jannetty? Uh huh. But it's also so it also means that it's the first time for most people to see his interest. So we get all the glitter and the robe and the wig and the stars that say gold dust that are yeah. projected onto the ground. It is uh, quite the like entrance yeah. even yeah for even compared to most of the stars in the wwf for the last 10 plus years it's like oh this one is one of the only ones that's gotten the fanfare that like the undertaker's got yeah i always loved it when the gold dust would start falling from the yep. the ceiling that was just a, one of the coolest effects that i'd ever got to see live yeah and it looks great on those old shitty cameras so as the match gets going, the golden one charges at Marty, but he fends it off, hitting a back body drop and a clothesline to send Goldust out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, the golden one stares down Janetti before using his size advantage to beat down Marty, going for a body slam, only for Marty to float over to hit a hurricanrana. The two trade strikes before Goldust with a clothesline that turns Janetti inside out. The Golden One then starts whipping Marty around the ring, raking his eyes across the ropes, hitting an elbow drop for a two count, before applying a chin lock to wear Janetti down, who fights his way free, only for the Golden One to deliver a back body drop. Marty is thrown from the ring, with Goldust following out to slam Janetti's head into the still steps. The Golden One then goes to bring Marty back in, but Janetti fights back, snapmaring Goldust over the top rope before slamming his head into the still steps as well. Marty looks to continue the punishment with a bulldog on the concrete, only for the Golden One to shove him off into the ring post, Post. before suplexing him back into the ring. Goldust goes back to a chin lock, until Janetti is able to counter into a backdrop, followed by sending the Golden One into the corner, where he follows in, only for Goldust to move, sending Marty flopping over the ropes. Now, the king has been talking about Bella Lugosi, and we finally see an impersonator in the crowd he has been talking about. Yeah, I love that uh, backdrop 
like telegraph backdrop spot. It was a different flavor on uh, the telegraphed backdrop. Goldust then nails a DDT for a near fall, but Marty comes right back with a rocker dropper before heading up top, but he sees that the golden one is getting up, so he lands on his feet and nails an elbow drop to the back of the head for a two count. Multiple clotheslines by Janetti, snapmare, and he heads up top again, going for a flying fist drop, but Goldust gets a boot up into the chin, followed by a front suplex for the pin... And, and the win. win. I love that he does the thumbs down. <laughs> Our commentators then plug the AOL chat. Fuck yeah. And the superstar hotline. Where we see the smoking guns and one, two, three speaking with fans. Vincent sends us to a video package where on Raw, two weeks earlier, Mabel and Yokozuna had teamed up to take out The Undertaker with multiple leg drops Headbutts and splashes. So as you remember, Undertaker was supposed to face King Mabel on this pay-per-view. But they played up that they injured him in this match on Raw. But actually, real life, at a house show, Mabel had legitimately injured Taker with a clothesline. And Taker would sustain a fractured orbital bone. It's a hell of a clothesline, Mabel. Yep. Yeah, he's a, got a, a history. He's the he's the Nia Jax of 1995. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And he gets like at least another two gimmicks, right? At least one more. Yeah, at least one more. One very memorable one. For good or bad. He still wears a trash bag. Yes. So we don't get that match <laughs> that we were supposed to get. But we do get this match. Our fourth one. King Mabel... With Sir Mo versus Yokozuna with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji. So Vincent's to the back where Camp Cornette and Jim claims fans want to see this match. And Totally. Sure. It says, it says Gorilla Baboon signs the, uh, the match because he's scared to have two guys this big on the same side. It's like, well, at least Cornette knows how to talk because... Uh, these guys can barely move. Yeah. So both men trade slaps and punches before Yoko sends Mabel to the floor with a clothesline. Back in the ring, King Mabel retaliates with punches and a jumping clothesline before nailing him with a right hand that causes Zuna to fall out to the floor. Once he returns, Mabel delivers a corner splash, tries for a second one, but Yoko Zuna fires out with a clothesline. Yoko then goes for a leg drop only for King Mabel to move and try for an elbow drop. But Zuna moves. The two trade headbutts before Mabel hits a botched bulldog that sends Yokozuna out to the floor. These big boys gone out to the floor a lot. King Mabel follows out where Yokozuna shoves him off into a ring post. Posted. While Moe and Cornette have a confrontation behind them with Jim ending up on the concrete where Zuna falls on top of him. All of a sudden, the bell rings, and the ref has called for the double countout. Post-match, Vince calls this a less-than-stellar match, and I'd like to say I'd rather watch the Bunkhouse Stampede. (laughs) Ouch. At least it wasn't long. Both men then return to the ring, 
where they stare at each other until their managers calm them down. So they hug and raise each other's arms. Yep. That's, yeah. Yep. What, where are they? Japan? Ring of Honor? I don't know. <laughs> we get an ad for Survivor Series. Undertaker will return, and Bret Hart will face the WWF champion, all while being sponsored by Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters. Karate Fighters! Bum, bum, bum. I have a vivid memory of getting Karate Fighters as a kid, and I was playing with my friend, and the one that I had was, like, flawed, so I just lost every single time. Like, you just, like, if you barely touch the button, then it, like sprung out or whatever so is it like rock'em sock'em robots just with karate kids instead it's basically like a, yeah, a, a square okay. ring and then you just like control these shitty plastic toys by swinging them back and forth but if it kicks or punches like the chest then the, the guy the loses head, the head pops out right. yeah, I uh-huh. but i just had this vivid memory of uh playing and uh my friend's mom just like purchasing it because it was like raining outside. She's like, ah, oh, something for you guys to do. I'll buy you a board game. And we got that and it sucked because uh, I was like the blue one and it was faulty and I kept losing. <laughs> it's cheating! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, re- what, I realized that it was uh, faulty after a while, but it wasn't fun. McMahon also mentions there will be a wild card match where friends and foes will be randomly paired together. Uh, Friends and foes. He didn't say heels or faces. We're going to have a weird... They're going to be fighting on the side. We then go to the ring where Doc Hendricks is there with President Gorilla Monsoon. And he introduces Dean Douglas and Shawn Michaels. HBK is looking bruised and sad as he enters, almost like he's about to cry. Oh, look at that. Leather Pelly Pelly jacket. He probably just cried for the after he paid fucking like three grand for that <laughs> ugly jacket. That awesomely ugly jacket. After a few pauses, Sean holds the belt out with Gorilla going to take it, only for Douglas to snatch it away and pose with it on the turnbuckles. The crowd is just chanting like, "Don't, don't, don't hand it over, Sean." But this means that Dean Douglas is and new. I feel like he doesn't deserve a, such a big and new, but it is what it is. Yeah. We can't buck tradition. Michaels watches on without saying a word before he walks down the aisle, turning to look back at the ring. He's slow playing it. It's sad. Yep. So is uh, so Bela and Son, who are just standing and still the, staring right at the hard cam. <laughs> this is the, the start of Sean losing his smile. Uh, Maybe. This guy's got no dopamine left in his brain. <laughs> but that leads us right into our fifth match. Dean Douglas versus Razor Ramon for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. So Douglas was already out in the ring, so does that mean that he came out first? I believe so. I mean, he came out first, but... Foreshadowing? But you can't give him the belt afterwards with Razor just standing there. I mean, you could have Razor come out and then bring everyone else out. Because yeah. you already know what the match is going to be. Yeah, but it's weird for Razor to just stand there for this 10 minute segment. He could support his friend, oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels. That's right. Good point. He could just tap him on the shoulder and be like, it's all right, buddy. I'll win when this it's for you. you. Good point, Matthew. For us. Uh huh. <laughs> we saw, we saw, you know, Big Burly Razor 
have little cute otter Sean on his shoulders last match. Damn right. So the bad guy rushes the ring, laying it in with right hands to send Dean out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Razor begins to work the arm, cutting off Douglas's rallies and returning to the arm. Dean finally escapes with a cheap shot and stomping away on Ramon, but the bad guy catches Douglas's attempt at a crossbody, delivering a fallaway slam, followed by a clothesline to send Dean out to the floor. Razor then stops Douglas from entering the ring multiple times, dropping him throat first across the ropes and slamming his head into the turnbuckle before finally bringing him back in with a vertical suplex. Ramon hits a hard Irish whip before kicking Dean out to the floor, falling out where he takes a bottle of water from the commentators to dump it over the head of Douglas. He's just trying to wake him up. Back in the ring, the bad guy hits an atomic drop and goes for the razor's edge, but Dean counters with a back body drop to send Ramon over the ropes to the floor. Douglas follows out to keep up the attack by ramming the bad guy's back into the apron before rolling him into the ring, where Dean would head up top, but jumps right into a choke slam by Razor, which puts them both on the mat. Back to their feet, Ramon gets in some right hands before setting Douglas on the top rope for a super back suplex, but Dean elbows the bad guy away and comes off with a crossbody only for Razor to use the momentum to roll on top for a two count. Douglas comes back with a drop kick for a near fall as Ramon gets his boot on the ropes. Dean then goes for a clothesline, only for the bad guy to duck and hit a back suplex, draping an arm over Douglas for the pin and the win, even though Dean's boot was under the ropes. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they show the replay, and it's very much under the ropes. Pretty perfect. And on the show, they didn't do an and new. But we will. And And new! I just thought it was so funny that they didn't do an and They announced they didn't do an and new. Four-time, 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 four-time Intercontinental Champion. Post-match, Lawler's complaining about the leg under the ropes with Vince disagreeing until he sees that replay but then responds that the referee's decision is final. Yeah, I mean, it's painfully obvious. We then see Shawn Michaels speaking on the hotline, still very sad. Very sad. So hey some, man, he did it to himself. So some real life stuff here. Dean Douglas, the click. Not friends. They did not click. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. So there were rumors that... I don't know if you guys realize while watching this match, but Dean Douglas got no offense. Yep. He got barely any offense. He did his job well, but no offense. He had like so there were a rumors slammed him into the apron once. That Razor basically sabotaged this match. Also, there's a in protest. There's at least two spots where he's got Razor, and maybe it's like a wrist lock or ab stretch type of thing, and he paintbrushes the shit out of him. And it oh, he is, does it a couple times. He does it a couple times, and it is. Like, a, a receipt for no reason is, is a way to put Because, like, I saw it and I was like, damn, that's pretty brutal. But I didn't quite I didn't quite know that they didn't get along. But you basically, probably assume that. Basically what I heard was that Dean Douglas, they were doing some house shows. Dean Douglas pulled out because he said his back was hurting. And basically the click went to him and was like, um, you work. You don't get special treatment. We're working. You need to work. 
And basically, that's what started the heat between them. And Yeah. Still, the paintbrush. Huh. What if the guy's back was really hurt? I mean, it, I'm sure it probably actually was. Yeah, I mean, the back it, in those it, days. It is, yeah, it's like, yeah, you work. Yeah. Unless you have a broken orbital and you're the undertaker. You just couldn't go. Have some pills. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Bret Hart then comes down to join the commentator's table and he will face the winner of the main event at Survivor Series. And Lawler acts like he's going to confront the hitman. But instead, he runs away, with Brett getting a few shots in. The king tries to sneak back a few times, but each time, Hart would just chase him back down the aisle. That was just so dumb. Yeah. But Bret Hart's rocking a really cool hockey jersey. Yeah. I don't know which team it was, but... No, it was like it the Bret Hart the hitman. one. The yeah, yeah. Okay. It was like a... The, yeah, black and pink look so good all the time. <laughs> well... I think there's a Calgary minor league team that they actually changed their name to, to the, the Hitman. Hitman. Oh, that's so cool. Calgary Hitman. Damn. Yeah. And they do the pink and black. Yeah, I, this is the first time I remember seeing if him remember in the correctly. hockey jersey, but you know, we'll see Bret Hart in hockey jerseys later in yeah. his career. So we go to our sixth match. The British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith with Jim Cornette versus Diesel for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. And Doc Hendricks is in the back modeling a two dudes with attitude t-shirt before getting a word with Diesel. And Doc asks his mindset, and Big Daddy Cool says he's feeling awfully funky before following through the curtain. Okay. Oh, yeah. What did that tell us at all? Um, then maybe, that maybe he's not in the right mindset? Funky, funky good thing or bad thing? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe just smells? Hey. <laughs> So we get a feeling out process to start until Diesel nails Davy Boy with a forearm, catches a crossbody attempt to slam Bulldog down to the mat multiple times, sending Davy Boy rolling out to the floor to regroup. Big Daddy Cool is then tripped up by the Bulldog, goes to crotch him on the ring post, but Diesel is too strong, pulling Davy Boy into the ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Big Daddy Cool keeps up the attack with corner clotheslines and elbows. When Cornette causes a distraction, allowing Bulldog to attack the knee. Davy Boy then delivers a drop kick that sends Diesel over the ropes, where he stumbles into the commentator's table, with the hitman trying to keep him from falling over. But Big Daddy Cool thinks he has other thoughts, so he just shoves Hart away. Not cool. Yeah, Diesel not really, cool, Diesel Big really Daddy. needs to, like... Because he did the same thing with Lex. Lex came down to help him. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to fucking help. He's paranoid. Exactly. He's got, he's got, the, he's got that belt, and he doesn't want to let it go. He's and champion. he probably knows Everybody's that... Everybody's after him. He's not, he's not uh, moving the needle. Nope. This distraction allows Bulldog to chop block Diesel again on the floor and start working the leg once they're back in the ring. Davey Boy seems to be trying to roll Big Daddy Cool over into a sharpshooter. But even Brett thinks it's a weird way to do so. <laughs> it's not your move, pal. Yeah, that was... I don't <laughs> Like, trying to watch him do that, it hurt my head watching him attempt to do a sharpshooter. Diesel finally frees himself, but is then stomped out to the floor, where Cornette drops an elbow across the leg before stomping away on it. Oh, uh, come on. Yeah, a little, little, little corny bump. Bulldog heads out to the floor to slam Big Daddy Cool's head into the still steps before Jim attacks the leg again. When Diesel would roll back into the ring, where Davy Boy would continue the punishment, 
bulldog with a Boston crab with Big Daddy Cool literally under the ropes. But he decides to power his way out. He's uh, Hulk Hogan in it. He's just a little too big for a... This ring is two feet bigger than a WCW ring, but he's just like seven feet tall. It is what it is. Well, he never spent more than like a minute and a half in a WCW ring at a time, so... (laughs) Yeah, there was no there was no chance he was getting put in a Boston Crab. Nope. Davy Boy then hits a dr- leg drop for a two count. Diesel would fire up momentarily, but another chop block would keep him down, allowing Bulldog to continue to work that leg. When Diesel would kick Davy Boy from behind to send him out to the floor. Back in the ring, Big Daddy cools back to his feet and he leaps at Bulldog, who just moves, allowing him to regain control. And he does a pretty good job of selling his leg, considering he's taken so much damage to it. And JR puts it over by saying that uh, he's had more than 10 operations on his knees since high school, which I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but uh, either way, it's helping put over uh, leg damage. Diesel starts to use the heel of his boot to free himself when Davy Boy goes for a suplex, only for Big Daddy Cool to reverse it for one of his own. Diesel would then duck a clothesline and drop Bulldog with a back suplex. But Davy Boy is back to his feet first, attempting that sharpshooter again, with Hart rightfully mocking it, <laughs> with Big Daddy Cool powering out once more. You can't, you're not going to win with a move that you haven't mastered. Nope. Bulldog then tries to pick up Diesel for a slam, but Big Daddy Cool falls on top of him for a two count. Followed by Davy Boy trying again for the running power slam, only for Diesel to slither out the back door and deliver a big boot. Cornette would jump on the apron so Big Daddy Cool would slingshot him into the ring, grabbing him by the tie when Bulldog would charge in with a forearm. Diesel would sidestep, causing Davy Boy to collide with Jim. Big Daddy Cool with right hands and limps his way into a body guillotine of the Bulldog on the ropes. That sends him out to the floor. Jim, you were really earning your 10% until, uh, you know, until you got up on that apron. Diesel then tries for a bulldog, but Davy Boy shoves him off into the ring post. Posted. But then he turns and slaps Brett. And Hart just responds by attacking the bulldog, causing the ref to call for the disqualification. Oh, Brett. So Diesel is our winner. I know, and I think that this was kind of... Like potentially the best Diesel match yet, but obviously either Bulldog didn't want to take the pin, or they didn't want for him to be pinned because they probably weren't completely sold. I just didn't want him to be pinned. Yeah, but like I think that this was one of the better Diesel performances because he was working from underneath, sold the leg. It's not a fucking banger or anything. Okay, okay. I'm just saying. That's an opinion. I'm just saying. Yeah. We're still talking Diesel, so, like, I mean... Post-match, Diesel re-enters the ring and pulls the hitman off Davy Boy. Then decides to get into a fist fight with Brett. Officials, the smoking guns, even Henry O. Godwin would all try to intervene to no avail. Vince would say his goodbyes and we fade to black, even as the two men would continue to attack each other. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of In Your House 4. Well, before we talked through it, I remembered enjoying this, and I wrote down the end of my notes. I said, well, it was much better than In Your House 3. 
and it probably was a little better still, but it's really, it's not his, maybe I was just uh, in the mood for some wrestling when I watched it. Maybe I just perhaps you were. Maybe I just really love Goldust. Maybe the tag match was so good uh, at the beginning, or better than I expected, that uh, I was had some rose, rose, uh, rose tinted glasses. At least it wasn't a three-hour show. We'll give it that one on the pro (laughs) call. Yes, Shane. I forgot about Yoko and Mabel. That's a real problem. Yeah, um, this one, I, I said it the last time on the last show, where it felt like this just didn't need to happen. It it could have easily been done on Raw or something else, and this show specifically felt even worse than the last one, just because, I mean, nothing really happened on the last one, and then you're expecting something to happen on this one, and then nothing happens on this one either, with the exception of. You know, I mean, Dean Goldust du- is yeah. here. Dean Douglas is good. He, I mean, he's good, but opinion. he didn't get to show any good. He didn't get to show any good. I just mean his character work is good. Like yeah. pe- people, people hate him, but yeah, his match was uh, just getting potentially legitimately beat up by like, Razor Ramon. <laughs> the the most exciting or best. Uh, I'll save that for I guess. Best oh, moments. we'll talk about here in like two <laughs> seconds. Yeah, because there's not a whole lot to say. This is my least favorite show that we have ever watched. More than Bunkhouse. More than Bunkhouse. Damn. I can't I can't say I feel the same way, but I'm not here to argue yeah. with you. His Bunkhouse was what, like a three hour show? It was a three hour yeah. show. The best has... the best match was a Larry Zabisco match, which was not good. But literally on this show, what is the best match on this show? I like the tag match. Fatu and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, that's it. That one's good too. I already forgot about it because I was thinking. Literally, I feel like this show. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out oh, the tag. Like match. literally every match gets just a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. I mean, Yokozuna Mabel is the worst one. Yeah. But even that shouldn't even than, happen. Then Diesel and Bulldog. <clears throat> but after that match, I was already sick and tired of this show. And then we have Bulldog basically. He only knows how to do one thing to a leg, and that's a chop block. And when you, the entire 17 minutes that you're working a leg and you don't have any leg work moves, do something else. You maybe shouldn't have set this up as a limb match, or at exactly. least not a leg match. I'd rather see and him so try to pull an armbar. Apparently it needed to be a sharpshooter match. Cause... Fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. McMahon... Threw his headset down in disgust when this show was over. Good. I wanted to do the same thing if I had had a headset on. And yeah. it was horrible. I hope that he is after this is like, oh, I need to write the ship because this is Vince McMahon that still uh, has a head on his shoulder and not a brain full of mashed potatoes. So there's opportunity for him to be like, all right, uh, like, I need. Yeah, we need a. Yeah. Maybe we don't. We can't have do two of these in a row every month. Well, I don't know if we're going to get that. Well, no, I just mean in your house. Yeah, we're still going to get them. Maybe, uh, maybe we're going to get something in between. Well, I mean, in your house, Ugh. there's it only goes to, what, six of them? No, there's like 23 of them. Oh, really? Yeah, it still goes on for a couple of years. So, do they change the name? No. Okay. My bad. Well, no. they start getting their own names instead of being numbered. Yeah, yeah. So like I know by ninety seven it's like the name and then hash and then like colon in your house. Yeah, yeah. 
and then by I think it's 97 was the last one, 98. Yeah, like I think they, they start just, just naming just, things. Just being their own name. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Vengeance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woo! Yay. Don't watch this show. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking horrible. Gold, watch watch the watch Gold Dust Entrance. That might be the best thing on the show. I'd say wait a little longer because Gold Dust Entrance gets better. Yeah, but it's just... Because I even he's, thought that as I was watching it was... I kind of forgot his entrance wasn't as big and boasting as it once became. Yeah, or it and eventually became the. But it is cool that this is his first match, and they are really going for it with him, probably because they know that he can work. And then also the uh, crowd immediately fucking is anti Gold Dust. <laughs> Granted, they've probably been doing the vignettes for a couple weeks and stuff. But he is a little too weird for everyone. You guys are upset about a two-week vignette. Just you wait 27 years until <laughs> you hear the name Fear. You get seven months of fucking coming soon programs. <laughs> Promos. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. Can anyone find a best moment on this show? Um, um, Shawn Michaels being hilariously sad. Yes. Just, I mean, we talked about gold a second ago. Yes. Uh, razor paintbrushing Dean, even though I don't think that's very nice, because I like Dean Douglas. I think it's fucking hilarious. It is hilarious, but, uh, you know. Hunter using Lawler as a shield for Hog. Yeah. Davy Boy's one line, 50 below hellhole, which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's these little itty-bitty moments. Considering um, itty bitty considering moments. I'm not a very big fan of uh, Diesel, I do think that the fact that he even sold his leg for Davy Boy's horseshit offense, he I think he did it very well. How did he sell it? He just laid on the mat and let Davey, no, I mean like and when let Davy Boy hold on to his no, leg. Well, no, like, I mean towards the end of the match when he's selling the injury. I mean he's the limping. one time when he he's limping his, when he does the limping body guillotine. Okay, yeah, but I think that I mean it's we're we're uh, sifting for corn in the turd. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so you're only gonna get about three sons. Uh, three, yeah, three colonels. <laughs> Heelish turn by one, two, three kid, ish. Yeah, I, mean, I think match, I think that was good. That match should have been good, but the ending just like totally, like uh, the logic behind that ending is just totally dumb. Yeah, the kid being bothered being me. yeah being so boastful, and it's like, well, you didn't just lay the guy out. So it seems kind of silly, but if that's gonna t- Turn him heel, then like you know, you he's being a a shit. And I feel like Goldust match. I'm I, I'm happy for the debut of Goldust, but it was not. He was trying to change styles from what his WCW style was. Yeah, and he didn't quite have it yet. And the match, ended and so the match just, just dragged. Yeah, he didn't quite. It wasn't as crisp as he we know he can be, yeah. but. When Trying to change his moveset makes sense. We don't want to see the same. When you're in a debut match against Marty Jannetty, who gets beat by everybody, and you can't beat him in under 10 minutes, that's not a good look for you to start off with. The, uh, I mean, he did that, the, like, kind of, like, drop-down thrust, but it was, like, it was like didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the way you see it. Yep. It wasn't the way you see it in your head when you think about it. It was like, oh, okay, well, you know. He didn't he just, really have a finishing move. 
Yeah, that front suplex was bad. That's a dumb way to... Front suplex sucks anyway. We're we're looking for best moments, aren't we? Yes. (laughs) I mean, at this point, we're kind of combining the two, because, like, literally, we... Yeah, why even bother with worst moments? I mean, worst moments... Yeah. I mean, most disappointing... Like, the most... Let it land anywhere. How do you you decide that Mabel and Yokozuna is something that you want to put on our screens for five minutes? It, It was five minutes... And it was still too long because they just kept knocking each other out to the floor then to have to climb back in the ring and for both of them to go... Because <laughs> they were blown up after 30 seconds. Yep. Yeah, there's a reason that they've been in like tag teams. And then the hug it out bitch ending on that match was just stupid. Yes! The... It's like, are they trying to turn these guys into a tag team? What hey. a horrendous idea. Hey, kids. The hitman can watch you sleep. That's so fucking creepy. Dog. Hey, you get a free tape. I don't know. I, do you get a free tape, or do you get to be taped? <laughs> Brett's a Brett's a good family man. He's not a creep. Yeah. That doesn't mean whoever's making those things is. We all know how those Disney cover boxes turned out. <laughs> that was just one. Oh. But um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know. I can't do it anymore. What's our best performer of the night? Shawn Michaels, because he actually... Yes, because he, actually, he, 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 he was legitimately sad, and it was yeah. hard to look at his super sad, stupid face, because he, he, he knew he fucked up. Though, if you think about it, and spoiler for future, future endeavors, uh, Shawn never really ever loses a title. Huh. He always hands it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think it uh, has something to do with Shawn being Shawn Michaels? And, uh, yeah, I think this is the in second. Some, in certain this, cases, yeah. Just yeah. think about it. He didn't hand over the IC title the first time. He left, and then he came back and won it at on the ladder match. Yeah, and was, he didn't yeah. lose it this time. He handed it over. Yeah, it's the combination of he didn't like lose the tag team belts as the Rockers because they never de- aired, never they technically won, won it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He uh, it's the combination of Vince liking Sean on screen so much and Sean being a shithead and exploiting being able to get away with it. But the we tag, all know that. The tag team with Diesel. He just threw the belt in the trash. They never lost it technically. Yeah. And then the next and then we saw it last show. They won it. And then they were like, no, it wasn't no actually a win. So he's actually been a two time tag team champion and he's never lost the tag team belts. Yeah. Yep. He's never lost the IC belt. He's like, uh, yeah, he's got a bit of uh, some some uh, a head the size of Hogan. <laughs> I'm not hating on Shawn Michaels. No. I just find it very convenient and kind of funny yeah. to think about. Absolutely. It's a very good point. Very, very uh, solid and uh, interesting point that I've never yeah, well, hadn't, hadn't really thought he of. He does take that big loss it catapult somebody into superstardom so maybe that's good point yeah yeah that's not what they're thinking at all (laughs) it will but it's not what they're thinking how about most surprising on this show i mean marty Jannetty came back i guess marty Jannetty comes back like every once in a while when gold dust showed up on my screen i mean that was that was the promo i was like oh cool gold dust here and then the match happened, and I was... It like, was like, oh, maybe you, he should have... Yeah, there you go. Most surprising that nothing lived up to the hype that it should have. 
And you know? yeah, it's like maybe Goldust should have had another couple weeks of house shows as Goldust or, or something. Maybe Goldust should have had a real opponent, opponent, and not a returning Marty Jannetty that nobody cares if he wins or loses. That's probably a good one as well. Yeah, you think the idea is like, oh well, both these guys are good workers. Uh, we'll just put them in there together. I mean, they're probably both decent workers, but they, they probably haven't. Yeah, it's like what? They how many haven't it, wrestled, before. wrestled before? Yeah, it's not like. It's not like Dustin was... Yeah, because he was in base when he was there before. So, yeah. I mean, they they worked in the company at the same time back in the uh, 1990. I for, fuck, I forgot that Dustin was even ever in WWF yep. before. Weird. Not that weird, but, I mean, he was partying with his dad. Yeah, he was a baby-faced 21-year-old or whatever mm-hmm. hell he was at the time. Yeah, he also wasn't the Dustin Rhodes that no. he would become. Still good, but, you know. He was he honed, he honed, yeah. the natural, natural. What a good song. Yep. Yeah, well, that's what we, Matt's feeling about this show. It's like two snoozers. In your house. I know. We uh, Whatever is next, uh, hopefully... That's bring why you some, wanted to record outside. Bring right? some... Bring some we're sick of being in your house. <laughs> bring that's some ruckus. Outside. We need to be outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring some ruckus, or at least maybe some some uh, the ambience yeah. of uh, crickets alcohol. to match our feelings on the show. Yeah, I really should have brought an alcohol, but I, in this case, I wanted to eat my feelings in fries and gravy. We definitely did that. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Ric Flair had won the WWF Heavyweight Championship at the Royal Rumble, and held the title for 77 days, when Macho Man Randy Savage would challenge for the title at WrestleMania 8 on April 5th, 1992. In the lead-up, the Nature Boy had taunted Macho Man by claiming he had a prior relationship with Savage's wife, Miss Elizabeth, even going as far to say he had certain pictures of her. The match would start in a brawl, with Mr. Perfect interjecting himself to help Nature at times. Flair would be sent into a guardrail to bust him open, so Macho Man would attack the cut before hitting a flying elbow drop, only for Mr. Perfect to pull Savage out of the ring to stop the pin. Perfect would then toss a foreign object to the Nature Boy, who would use it on Macho Man, before Mr. Perfect would also use a chair across the knee of Savage. Miss Elizabeth would arrive to help just as Flair would lock on the figure four, but eventually Macho Man would reverse the hold, causing Nate to break it. The Nature Boy would go back to work on the leg before yelling to Liz, This is for you, baby! When Savage would block a punch and roll up Flair with a handful of tights for the pin to become the 20th WWF Heavyweight Champion. Macho Man would defend his title versus a variety of opponents for the next few months until the Nature Boy would finally get a rematch. Next week, Halloween Havoc 1995. Oh, I'm already scared. I mean, yeah, have we had any, we haven't had any great Halloween Havocs. No, we but, have not. You know, at this point, I would love to see Abby in an electric chair. <laughs> at least it's fun and funny bad. Did we get to spin the wheel and make a deal again? I hope not. Uh, I mean, it was fun to say. It's fun to yell. Damn, we have a coal miner's daughter on a 
pole match or whatever the hell it Sissy was. Sissy Spakes will not be there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, Vince Russo hasn't shown up yet <laughs> to put a lady on a pole match. I mean, who knows? We may be able to get Loretta Lynn. She, she's, mm-hmm. she's with old What's-His-Face from that one band. I can't think of. Jack Black. Not Jack Black. Jack White. She's done music with Oh, him, yeah. With, which means yeah, maybe she do music with Billy Corgan, so maybe she'll show up in... <laughs> Where are we going? Here? I don't know. Okay. NWA. Yeah. All right. I, I keep waiting for this to get <laughs> uh-huh. to a point where I'm like, this. I'm half asleep. Back to Did Loretta then work with Jack White? Or uh, yes. okay, I know that he produced her album that got oh, her lots of Grammy. Yeah, yeah. Love. Uh, who's that? Wanda Jackson did as well. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. The queen of rockabilly from Oklahoma, from our very own Oklahoma. I don't know who she is. It's good. You should check her out. Is she is JR a fan? Because I may not have heard of her. I mean, I, you would think he would be. She, she's it's like old country rockabilly, like early, not like lame, like wear creepers and slick back hair, Brian Sensor Orchestra stuff. It's more country. That's some good shit. Eh, you know. Music from this week's show is "In Your House" by Jim Johnston. In your house. And Davy Boy actually won the main event, so we'll play his music. Rule Britannia by Leonard Bernstein. I mean, it's at least a different song. Guys. It's yes. probably the only time uh, we'll have Davy Boy close out the show. It's the second time, actually. Oh, yeah, shit, yeah, because uh, I forgot that he got fired after his last main event. But he did win, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You he had this, to. Yeah. They're in Wembley Stadium. That's, that's crazy. That's right. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your lovely podcast set. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, recipes, we are going to uh, Detroit, Michigan, and I just brought Detroit style pizza well, last week. It so. is Halloween, Oops. so you could just do a bowl of candy corn. Oh. <laughs> I think we discussed this last time. I know, so. I know, I know. <laughs> How about mini corns? How about boiled circus peanuts? Uh huh. You could peel uh, peel some grapes and call them eyeballs. There you go. See, look at that. <laughs> I don't know. It's your choice. Also, I mean, uh, we're always mm-hmm. surprised. We'll uh, find out. To buck tradition, I'd like to inform you that I only say five stars or no stars. Do whatever you'd like this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, not, they're not judging They're judging I know, but so. we weren't even... like we, we went through the trouble, so you don't have to watch it ever unless you really yeah, want to. This one, you could probably hear the wind. I feel like we changed our Michael's sales. opinion on this show. I think bit. that I was just in a good mood when I watched it. I don't know. Because he was like... He was all talking like, I liked four better than three earlier. Yeah. Oh, sometimes it's like, one of those well, things where it's like that's oh. an opinion yeah sometimes you're in the mood sometimes I watch a good show and I'm just like super not in the mood to watch a wrestling show so I'm like yeah that was obviously good but like sometimes you watch a bad show but you're having a good time I don't know I'm not <laughs> sure you know it is what it is if you'd like to do any of that stuff you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on twitter Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Slam into those tags. Oh, spooky.